0: of you in first service last week? A few of you. Um, I had made mention in first service, actually in both services last week, that we were considering doing a 7.30 in the morning Easter service. Um, for, and, uh, and I asked the group in first service, how many of you? And they're a pretty good group of hands that went up. Because we really don't want to do it if there's not that much interest. But then in this service... I asked again. We didn't get one hand to go up. So, um, we're just going to have the two services, which means this you probably ought to plan on being here early. I would suggest that, okay? Um, we'll get everybody somehow in and to hear the service and everything, but it would probably be good to be here. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great service it's be a great time. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm talking about Palm Sunday today. Now, next week's Palm Sunday. It's always the Sunday before Easter is Palm Sunday. But we're going to do a two-part series on Palm Sunday. And that's because Palm Sunday is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Do you know that? Everybody say it's a big deal. Just turn your name over. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Not as big as Easter, but it's a big deal. And... Um, so what we're going to do is, um, today I want to talk about um, some things that we learn um, in um, the activity of Palm Sunday, and then next week I'm going to talk about the historical significance. I'm going to talk about um, what it did to change the course of history, even for us, why why we're, we're here in, in, in that. But today I want to talk about Really, what I'm going to talk about is uh, what you were created for. Now, that, that sounds like lofty goal, right? I'm going to tell everybody here what you were created for. But I am. I, I believe that this will help us understand the very purpose of our life. And we're looking in Luke chapter 19. in this story... The Palm Sunday story, or it's also called the Triumphant Entry story, is found in all four of the Gospels. So that alone tells us, um, not that even if it's mentioned one time, it's important, but if it's mentioned four times, um, that should cause us to be alert that this story and what has happened here is very important. And and so I'm not going to read the whole story, so I'm just... uh, up to this point, Jesus has come into Jerusalem, and the disciples actually had tried to keep him from it because the Pharisees were after him. They wanted to kill him, and they wanted to kill Lazarus. He had ri- Lazarus was raised, raised from the dead, and, um, and more and more people are, are really following Jesus at this point, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, want to get rid of him. They want to get rid of Lazarus, and they want to get rid of Jesus. And so they had said to him, "Please don't, don't come to Jerusalem because if you get go there, they're going to kill you." And he, the scripture says, he was intent, he intended to go. And he, it was, it was, I'm going, whether they kill me or not. Actually, he knew they were, and he was going to die for the sins of the world. But so we pick it up. He, he sent. He goes out, He goes and he asks. Two of the disciples go down this road here, and there's going to be a donkey and a colt. Just uh, go ahead and get that donkey and colt. And if they ask you where you're ta- what you're doing, just tell them the Lord has need of them, and they'll let you have them. That's exactly what happened. He took the colt, and he's going to ride the colt down into Jerusalem, into the city, down um, uh, the Mount of Olives. I've actually been there. In fact, everybody that's gone with us to our Israel trip has walked that walk. I've walked it many times. It's down toward Jerusalem. And he's going to go down that on a cult um, that has never been ridden. And actually he's fulfilling prophecy about doing that and at this particular point. But the purpose, the reason that, that this is so incredibly significant has to do with how he is for the very first time allowing for public worship. Now, there had been private worship, but now there's public worship. And Palm Sunday is that day where he is riding in triumphantly as the Savior, as the Messiah, as the King, as the Lord. Look at verse 35, chapter 19, if you have your Bibles. Otherwise, you can watch it on the overhead. You can read it along. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him. From the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silence, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, this first public um, acceptance of worship that Jesus is, is doing, and it has incredible significance to us. There's basically three things here that's going on. One, he is the Messiah. And it's being declared publicly. He's the Messiah. Now, obviously, um, you know, Peter at this point has already recognized that. The disciples have already recognized that. When he asked them, who do you say that I am? But the 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 crowd hasn't fully recognized that yet now they're they're, they're identifying with that as they're saying blessed is a king who comes in the name of the lord actually that is a they're they're quoting from the old old testament about what the messiah about who the messiah would be he is a king who comes in the name of the lord and he is a king that that follows in the line of david and they're looking for the messiah the savior and that's the second one he is the savior they in, in this text, in, in Luke's, uh, is uh, uh, the only one of the four that doesn't mention them praising and saying, Hosanna. In the other three um, uh, Gospels, they, uh, it, 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 uh, it tells us that as they were praising him like this and they were saying, Blessed is he that comes, they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Everybody say, Hosanna. Yeah. Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna means save now or savior. So, When they're proclaiming Hosanna, they're proclaiming Savior. Save us now. Save now, Lord. Save. And then thirdly, he's the Son of God. The second person of the triune Godhead. Because as they're worshiping, only God shall receive worship. And that's why the Pharisees immediately get mad at him. And they say, tell your disciples to stop. Tell them to stop worshiping. Tell them to stop praising See, because as they're doing that, he's receiving praise and worship. And every good Jew knows there's only one to worship. And so does every good Christian know that there's only one to worship, and that's God. And so as Jesus is accepting worship here publicly, he is, in fact, receiving what only God is supposed to receive. And up until this time, it wasn't seen publicly. And when you look at the scriptures, you see that there are times when, for instance, angels will appear and people will fall down and worship an angel and the angel will say, no, I'm like one of you. Don't, you know, we're, we're all just creation. Don't worship me. You know, worship God. But Jesus now is receiving worship. And that is one, another indicator that he is, in fact, the second person of uh, the Godhead, the second person of, of the triune Godhead, the 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 Son of God, the essence of God. Now, um, the spirit of the Pharisees pops up here in this story, and they want to silence worship because they always want to. Religious people are fine as long as you kind of keep it fairly calm. You know, religious people want things to be, um, well, they don't want too much excitement. Religious people want to make sure that we don't get too fanatical. And and could I just say this? Um, The disciples and the early church followers probably wouldn't fit in well with most of our churches. If you take a first century Christian and place them in one of our seats, they would sometimes look out of place. Because their excitement they had understood in fact it's even actually true in uh in many Jewish accounts if you go if you were to go to Israel on Friday night the Sabbath as they're celebrating the Sabbath Friday night, as soon as sundown comes you'll see you would see people dancing in it. they're they're singing their songs to God, and there' lines of people holding hands, and the place is filled with just celebration and uh and it looks a little bit more um, demonstrative than, than our worship does. But religious people are always, unfortunately, always wanting to settle things down. They want to balance things. And uh, the Pharisees don't understand. And they, don't, they, they, they certainly aren't for the whole sacrifice thing that's going on here. Now... What is happening? Well, they're ministering to the Lord. They're ministering to the Lord. And that is actually... Folks, you and I have... We were created... We were created to worship. We were created to minister to God. You were created that way. You were made that way. And... The... the, The amazing thing is that we can, in fact, minister to God. In fact, the Bible uses the term bless the Lord. We're able to bless God. The Psalm says, Psalm 34 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So, how can you bless God according to the scripture? By praise. You actually bless God by praising. I, I remember doing. Uh, uh, a series on blessing. And I remember this, uh, a guy came up to me afterward in one of the messages, and he says, he says, it seems not right that we, that you keep saying bless God, bless, what, what is that, bless God? Well, I said, that, that's actually what the scripture tells us to do, that, that we are able to bless God. We're able to minister to God. God ministers to us, but we're able to minister to God when we worship and when we praise. Now I'm using the term worship and praise and thanksgiving as one, and I know there's distinction. There's distinction of thanksgiving, there's a distinction of praise, and praise is more about what God has done, and thankfulness is the, is the attitude of heart for what God has done, and worship is is worship inc- can include those, and it's bigger than those. In fact, the Hebrew word for worship actually is. Um, the word to exalt or bow down. Bow down. The, the, um, the Greek word for worship is tied into the word to kiss. It's an intimacy with God. And that's what God calls us to when he calls us to worship. And all of us are worshipers by nature. You were created To worship, it is your default. You default into worship. Now, what you worship might not, might or might not be right or true. You know, you you you're you're created to worship the living God, but you can worship all kinds of things, and people do. And even in cultures where worship is kind of tried to uh, educated out of the culture, in atheistic cultures. Uh, primarily where, you know, th- there's uh, oppression over worshipers. You know, for instance, in China right now, they have a whole thing on where they have, they give you a number, and then they, um, they rate you. And you can actually lose points by doing certain things. Like if you're caught going to church, you lose points. If you're caught with the Bible, you lose points. And you get, when you lose your points, then you lose your ability, like, for instance, to get a loan, to get a job. All these things that would just oppress you are part of it when you're, you know, as a follower of Christ. So there's a a real oppression against worship. But you know what keeps happening? The church keeps growing. Because you can't... when, When someone recognizes what they were created for and they enter into the worship... Because we're all worshipers. We're going to worship things or we're going to worship, you know, people or we're going to worship ourselves or, you know, other gods. We're going to worship. But when someone discovers by worshiping God, they discover who they are. And they discover the fulfillment of that and what that does for them. Then you can't get out of them. They'll die for that. And they'll go to prison for that. Now, God is looking for worshipers. Now, I'm going to say he's not necessarily looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. And the Bible says in John 4, 22, and this is the story where Jesus goes to the Samaritan woman and he says to her, you guys don't even know who you're worshiping. So you're worshiping, but you have no idea who you're worshiping. For salvation, he says, is of the Jews. The Jews know because they have revelation, biblical. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. The Father is seeking such to worship. God is looking for worshipers, He wants worshipers. And and that's not because God is egocentric in the sense that he just wants everybody to adore him and, and worship him. That, the fact is that love always seeks and chooses the best for the other. And there is nothing better for you and me than to be worshipers of the living God. That that's the absolute best for us if we become worshipers. But we don't use worship for just kind of a means to an end, good things happen when we worship, and it certainly is because we're created that way. But that's not the reason we worship. We worship because worship is the end. Worship is the goal in itself. You always become you, Jesus. You know, God knows that. In fact, the Scripture says this: "You become what you worship." So, who you worship. Is crucial because as you're worshiping, you will become like what you're worshiping. When when people like worship um, celebrities, unfortunately, they start looking like them. They start acting like them. They oftentimes think they think they can sing like them, right? And but you become what you worship. That 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 is the thing that you start to look like it if you. If you worship material things, you become materialistic. If you worship God, you'll become more transformed into his image. You become more like God. The Bible says when we behold his, his image, we be, we will, we, when we see him, we'll be like him. And the scripture says as we, 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 um, we're transformed by beholding his glory, we're transformed from glory to glory. We're being transformed. As we're worshiping God... And we're we're seeing the glory of God in our worship. We're being transformed into the very image of God. That's why Jesus said there in John 4 where we just read that he's seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's important to know the God you're worshiping. It's important to know him scripturally. What is God like? And so that's why reading the scriptures is so important, because it helps us to understand the nature of God. What is he like, the one we're worshiping, as we're worshiping him? And worship, kind of in a more narrow sense, is, um, is, is, is adoration for who God is more than who, what God has done. Praise is really praising him for what he has done. But worship is adoration, but it, it, it involves praise as well, so that, in that larger sense. I hope I'm not confusing you on that. So you and I have been designed to, to be worshipers, and uh, we're designed to bask in the presence of God. Um, but a worship, worshiping God aligns us properly. And Let me tell you what I mean by that. It puts us at a proper place in the universe. When I'm worshiping God, I'm in my proper place. The the universe seems pretty amazing, pretty grandiose. I can feel like less than an ant on this big planet in this galaxy in the universe. But when I come into worship, I'm I'm in connection with the God who created all that. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in, in an intimacy with the God who is in charge, who runs all that. When I worship, it puts God at the proper place in my life. It aligns me properly. I, I could have all kinds of things in my life that are just weighing me down. I can, I can find the, the weight of the world on my shoulders but when I come into worship, all of a sudden, the weight is lifted, and I enter into the presence of God, and somehow by me being connected with the one who is the only one who can take care of all those things, that weight is lifted the the you know the, the anxiety, the worry, it all falls away as I'm entering into that place. It al- puts me in proper alignment with God and myself now. There are four things that I want to pull from this, and the first one is this: worship starts with a sacrifice. What did they do when they were getting ready to um, to, to begin this process? They took their they took their robes and so forth. They placed them on the donkey. They placed them on the road, you know, so that it, it was. They they were giving something that was pretty valuable to them away, and that was the sacrifice that is part of. Worship. In fact, the story right before this one is an interesting story. It says that when Jesus was there in Bethany, that a woman came to him with an alabaster box full of precious anointment. anointment. In fact, it was very. It, it would have taken years and years and years to collect this oil. It'd be very, very expensive. It was, uh, and she took that and she poured it on the head of the Lord. She poured it and you know, on his feet, and, uh, and Judas um, got kind of upset about that. See, she was worshiping, and she was giving what she had to God in worship, and Judas, the scripture says, he said, well, we should have taken that, you know, and sold it and given it to the poor, and then the scripture says, not that he cares about the poor, because he was holding the money bag. And see, there's nobody, nobody who taught more of the importance of caring for the poor. Jesus was always talking about caring for the poor. He was always talking about those that are, are, are less advantaged and so forth to help. He, he was always encouraging that. But at this point, when this woman shared that sacrifice of worship, Jesus said, don't bother her. She's doing what is right. She's worshiping with what she has. And this will be spoken of thr- throughout history. And we're, we're doing that right now, aren't we? We're telling the story. That she worshiped and she made sacrifice because, folks, there's nothing that you do that's more important and more valuable than your worship of God. And worship sometimes takes sacrifice. The scripture says in Hebrews 13:15. Therefore, by him, let us continue to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we praise the Lord. We worship the Lord. And, and there's a sacrifice of praise. Now, that sacrifice is bigger to some than others. Some of you, you're always singing. My wife's that way. We'll have a conversation on the phone. She never hangs up the phone. You know, we're done, bye. I hang, I always have to hang up. Well, sometimes I'll, I'll, like if I call her in the car, I won't hang up, and she won't hang up, and I can hear her. And as soon as she hangs up, I'll tell you exactly what she starts doing. She starts singing. She just starts singing, starts worshiping the Lord. Every time. So I know she's doing some washing dishes or working or doing something, but she's singing. She's got a song in her heart. You can't stop her from singing. Other people can't get you to sing. And there's probably a good reason for that, <laughs> right? So for you especially, it is a sacrifice when you praise and you worship and you sing to the Lord. And that sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. And that is honored because, listen, worship takes sacrifice, it takes sacrifice. Sometimes it's in that regard. But worship is far more than singing. It's far more than what we do at the beginning of our service. It's a lifestyle. We worship with our life. We worship in honoring God, how we honor God in that way. But, but we also see that worship includes thanksgiving and remembrance. It says in verse 37 there, it says, The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. So they, look, they saw God doing some miracles. He raised Lazarus. He, did, he was doing all these miracles. And they're praising him for what he has done. And I want to say that that's the way it ought to be. You and I, the, the beginning point of worship for us is the praise and, thank, and the thankful heart. That praises God for what he has done. Now God has done things for you. Everyone has something to praise God about. Take a deep breath. You have something to praise God for, that you could take that breath. Writing in this morning, I heard someone say, people say all the time, "You you only live once. And he said, that's not true. You only die once. You live every day. And that's true. You have something to thank God for. You know, the Scripture says that when we don't thank God for the things that God has given us that we should be thankful for, when we don't do that, our heart gets darkened, Romans chapter 1 says. Our heart gets darkened. And that darkness of heart that happens because we don't thank God, we don't praise God, that, that takes us into a deeper distance from God in our life. So being thankful whenever that leads us to that leads us to worship and thanksgiving and and remembrance for what God has done leads us into worship. And then the third thing is worshipers make noise. It says, it says they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Loud! Sometimes heaven is going to be extremely noisy. And it should be at times here as well. There's a time for us to cry out to God. The Bible says in Psalms 100 and verse 1, Make a joyful shout to the Lord all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So this is an expression. This is Who is it that's t- t- trying to get them to quiet down? It's a religious Pharisees are, but not Jesus. In fact, Jesus says, if you don't, the rocks will cry out. If they didn't, the rocks would cry out. Now, my question is, what do the rocks sound like if they were worshiping? It wouldn't be as good as you. They're not made to worship. Rocks aren't made to worship. You are, you see. You were made to worship. And worshipers sing and worshipers get loud and you might be the quiet type and your loud is quieter than other people's loud but whatever it is, it's got to be louder than your normal. If you're worshiping God, there has to be an expression of praise and worship to God. See, I really believe That you were created by God. I believe we were all created by God to be world-class worshipers. That's what I believe. World-class. And it doesn't take a lot for you to learn to be world-class worshipers. I believe in a very short period of time you can become a world-class worshiper. In fact, if you have accepted Christ and you decide to fully sell out and follow Jesus, if you're that person if you, you, you will be a world-class worshiper in less than a year, you'll be a, why, there might be some things that have to change, and process, and, and learning, and a willingness, and a freeing, I, when I came to Christ, I wasn't a worship. I didn't know anything about worship, the church I went to, there, there wasn't any worship, there was a couple songs they would sing, and I pretty much just kind of watched other people do it, I, I was not a worshiper. And when I came into the church, when I got saved, when I really came to know Christ, and uh, and I got around people who were vibrant in their walk with God and wanted to worship God, I would look around and I'd see something on them that made me want to be like them, but I wouldn't share sure about this whole worship thing. I mean, some of them lifted their hands, they were you know they kind of move like they're dancing and the you know there you know it wasn't real wild nobody was jumping pews or swinging from chandeliers or anything but but there was a there was a genuineness of celebration a a true you know expression of love and i'm looking at this and going they have so much this is something wonderful because what what happened is when you start to become a worshiper, you start to recognize that intimacy with God, that love, that relationship, that honor, and you start to see the goodness of God in your life and you want to express it. You know, when you love, you do it. <laughs> There's emotion involved. There's emotion involved. And uh, God is extremely emotional, you know? Uh, people don't think of, they think of him kind of intellectual God is into, he's smart don't you think, kind of smart but th- what, what is, what is uh, surprising as we read the scriptures is how emotional God is not out of control emotion like we think of emotional but God has deep emotion in fact it is a deep emotion, not out of control emotion, but deep emotion is a sign of health Emotional health has deep emotion. When someone's out of control, there's something that needs to be healed. And when someone has shut down emotions, that's something that has to be healed. Both are a result of damage. Healthy people have deep emotion, but it's not out of control emotion. God is the most healthy being in the universe. He has deep emotion. And when we express ourselves, freedom, and when we allow for God to heal us, we get deep emotion too. And it is expressed in our worship, you see. And God wants us to be free to express in the worship. So I learned as I was kind of growing in this, this and God was teaching me, I learned to express myself in worship. And some of it had to do with me actually taking steps of of you know that that would help me in this. Like, um, the the scripture was read that when we worship God, that God desires to lift up our hearts with our hands unto God as we worship. There's an expression. In other words, there are physical things we do that give um, that 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 help us in our verbal expression because your body and your and your your words should be you know. Should, should go together. There should be some cohesion in those two things together. You know, I love my wife dearly. But if she's standing, and I, I go, I love you. <laughs> Come here, babe. <laughs> there's, there's, sometimes our expression, our physical expression, is the opposite of what we're saying. You see? And and it actually ties us down. You see? Come on, babe. You know? Come on, sweetheart. Plat one on me. <laughs> Where is Carol anyhow? Tied out. Point. Point being, right? Here the, the the point being that when we worship God, we should strive for, we should strive for having our physical expression match our heart, our voice and our physical expression to match our heart as we worship God. And so it is hard when we're worshiping. To really be (laughs) worshipping. I worship you, (laughs) God. Oh, what a joyful sound. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That that doesn't fit. And actually, your physical, your, your, your position actually can affect both good or bad. You know, when I'm worshiping God and I decide, yeah, Lord, yeah, and some of you go, I'm just not that way, that's just not me, I'm just not that kind of emotional person, I never lift my voice, except for when the kids get out of hand. <laughs> you know that, that emotion? Just turn that into worship. Express, praise in, to the Lord. You actually can do it. If you're not too concerned about what other people are, are, are seeing. And if you're willing to get out of yourself and into God. Because the biggest problem is us. In coming. And here's the last one. And I think this is probably the most important thing I, I'm going to tell you today. is wor- worshipers usher in the presence of God. Worshipers usher in. The presence of God. The Bible says that, that God inhabits the praises of his people. And that's what they were doing. They're, they're, they're getting it, getting ready and they're starting to worship. What are they doing? They're ushering in the presence of the king. He's coming down. And they're ushering him in in praise and worship. And when we praise and worship God, we are ushering in the presence of God. And if, if Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to usher in the presence of God. And it's not the worship team's responsibility to usher in the presence of God. They help us in worship so that we can usher in the presence of God. You have the ability as a follower of Christ. If you're a a Christian, you have the ability to usher in the presence of God. And some of you never do. You never do. You you don't do it in your home. You don't do it in your private life. And you don't do it in church. And you, you think that coming to church is for you. And you got it all wrong. We'll let you believe that for a few weeks. But the fact is that when you come to church, the goal is that we all experience the power and presence of God, and you usher in the power and presence of God when you're here. See, God doesn't live here. Some people say, you know, we call it the house of God. This isn't really his house. It's more like, a, you know, it's more like a hotel that he comes and visits, See, when we're not here, he's not dwelling here. This isn't the temple. You are. The presence of God is with you. And you usher in God's presence when you worship. And we all benefit when we come together. I want you to imagine what it would be like. What what would this be like? What would our worship service be like if every believer who comes into this worship service comes in ready and prepared to usher in the presence of God as we worship. When I, when I come and to, 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 to worship, I always start off. This is what I do. The first thing I do when I, start my, I begin to worship in our church service, I say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Father, fill this place with your presence. Fill this place. And I want to worship you. And as I worship you, I invite your presence. I'm inviting the presence of God. I'm hoping that maybe it will touch the two or three people around me. But you have to be inviting the presence. So it might touch the two or three people around you. And around you. And around you. And around you. And And all of us experience The power and presence of God because we're all worshiping God and inviting his presence into our life. You see, at 1045, we started our worship service. But the worship service didn't start at 1045. The worship service started at the beginning of creation. When the angels started to worship. There has been a continued worship service. There is only one worship service. It's continuing throughout all eternity. And what we do is we just gather together and enter in. We come, you know, we're latecomers. It's already been going. We come and we enter in to the very worship presence of God. And worship into the worship service of God. And we're singing and praising him. And we're inviting his presence to fill our gathering and fill our place and fill our time and we do that in private time as well we invite his presence when we're in our prayer closet or we're just in our car and we have worship music on and we're singing to the lord and we're glorifying him we're inviting his presence see worshipers usher in the presence of god do you understand your responsibility Your responsibility is not to come, and hopefully, you know. Well, I really like the music here, so this is great. I mean, it is great. We have great music. I'm just hope, yeah. Hope Pastor doesn't talk too long and <laughs> too late. <laughs> right? No, I'm here because you have a call. You have a call on your life. Your call is to usher in God's presence. And when you come here, your call is to usher in God's presence. That's your call. Because rocks are not made to cry out, they're not made to worship. That's your role right? So no rock is going to take my role. Amen? Because I'm designed to worship, and so are you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and uh, two things we're going to, for those who want to stick around after our worship, we're going to start this worship time, and then we're going to have communion. I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, we're going to start worship, and then then, uh, a little while into this this song of worship. The the ushers are gonna start handing out the communion. If you want to take communion with us in, while we're worshiping, just take the elements as they're passed out, hold them, and we'll take them together, okay? But I, I wanna um I have a rock for everybody here. They're actually on the table as you leave. It's not this big. I got you some smaller ones. Now, I know you can get your own rock. I I, I can get a rock. Yeah, I know. But I just want... I I bought this for this reason. Maybe um, this week you could maybe carry it in your pocket. And uh, whenever you feel it, let it remind you that you were created to worship, not the rocks. Maybe put on your desk at work and let it remind you that you were made to worship and to be a worshiper not the rocks that throughout this week maybe maybe by having that rock nearby you might worship a little bit more because it reminds you of your purpose and your call okay as, as these, these guys don't usher in the presence but as they Leaders, I I had to inform, remind, first service. If you do this while you're worshiping, it will hinder you. It will hinder you. Now, after I did that, I looked around. There's a lot of you with your arms like this. I'm not picking on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> point point being, we listen. We don't have, you know, the usher team does this, but I don't. They, they don't look around and say, that's a number two worshiper. There's a number eight. Over here's a number 10. We have a document. <laughs> but we don't care what they think. Um, point being, that's not what this is about. But I just want you to be free. I say be free and let Jesus, listen, nobody wants to force you to do anything along this line, because then it's worthless. But if you want to take and move just a little bit further toward being a worshiper, just another step. I remember when the pastor that, that I got saved under said, okay, everybody lift your hands in worship. To ask everybody. We, we tend not to do that here. Not everybody, You because we don't expect everybody, we're not you know, uniform that, but we make it, you know, th- this is a way of doing it. And, and he he said, let, let everybody lift your hands. And I'm kind of like, I don't do that. But I went like this. <laughs> By the end of worship, I was about here. I was moving up, right? Moving up. So maybe it's just incremental steps, but maybe you could move a little bit further freeing yourself to express worship. And you go, I don't know how. Oh, yes, you do. You actually do. Isn't it interesting? You go to a concert and you see people going, yeah, I love, it is the world. It is the... You go, how do they do that? It's in them. And it's in you too. Amen. Let's stand together.